Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one -one customer journeys. Helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Marketing Week Meets, coming to you from the beautiful shores of the French Riviera. Yes, we're at Cannes Lions, um, although not on a yacht drinking rosé, but in a lovely hot hotel suite, seeking some much needed shade. Regular listeners will know that this is a monthly podcast in which we speak to a marketing luminary about their life, career and thoughts on the state of the marketing universe. You'll probably also notice that I'm not Russell Parsons, who usually does the podcast. That's because Russell is holding the Marketing Week fort back in the UK. So, hello, I'm Ellen Hammett, a reporter at Marketing Week, and I'm joined by Julia Golden, Chief Marketing Officer at Lego. Julia studied communications at the University of Illinois before going on to do an MBA in international marketing and finance at the University of Chicago Graduate School of Business. She spent the next 13 years with Coca-Cola, where she held several senior global and regional marketing roles before moving to Revlon and then Lego at the end of 2014. So Julia, Lego must be fun. And I'm going to kick off with the hard-hitting questions. What's the best thing you've ever made from Lego? Lego is a lot of fun. The best thing I ever made from Lego was um, when my young son did his first build and he built this um, police station and then it broke and he was heartbroken and I kind of had to rebuild it fully to, to fix it and that was probably very you know it was a small build but it was super rewarding because he was so happy to have it he was only uh, four at the time so for him it was very special because his first one did your son still play with Lego absolutely he just built um, he just built, we lived in New York, and then after that moved to London, and he just built uh, New York City skyline from um, uh, our architecture set. Wow. And it was really special for him because every building he has a special moment with, you know, because he knows the Chrysler building, he's, built, he's been to the top of Empire State Building, so, you know, he, Statue of Liberty, so he had a lot of connection points. So that was really great to see because he still has a lot of memories from his childhood there. And you must see a lot of Lego creations. What is the craziest thing that you've seen that somebody's made? I've seen a lot of really great things. <laughs> That's many different from kids and also from adults. But two that I will bring up as an example. Last year, um, our team, um, our model designers in Kladna built life-size Bugatti. Wow. Life-size, made out of only Lego Technic bricks. It was beautiful. On top of it, it could actually drive um, uh, about 11 uh, kilometers, 13 kilometers per hour, but still powered up only with Lego Technic motors. So that was absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so that was one. And then the second was, um, I was in Hong Kong uh, a few years back, and a friend of mine who was living there, she said, you know, they lived in an expat community. She said, can you please, I came very late at night just to say hello. And she said, there's a little boy who's staying up to meet you because he's a complete Lego fanatic. And I went to meet this little boy, and, and, and you know, he was a French little boy who was growing up, you know, living in Hong Kong, growing up with his parents. They took up a whole shed in, in the back gar garden uh, of their house, and it was all Lego. He built his own universe. 
So that was just really amazing to see. And he just wanted to meet me and talk to me about Lego. Uh, And that was really, really amazing because it was like literally the whole world. He had, you know, um, of course, like there was some some conflicts going on and there was, uh, you know, a Navy here and uh, an Air Force there and a fire and a police station and, you know, all kinds of people living in the world and he kept building on top of it. So it's just amazing to see and it was all, you know, completely out of his imagination. So it's really great to see. I wonder if he still got that or if his universe Probably. And what's really interesting is that he was using his father's bricks and including... So he was taking bricks from every generation in his family and just continuing to build onto the universe. So that was really great. Yeah, that must be so nice to see. Um, Have you ever had any strange Lego requests from people or celebrities? (laughs) All the time. (laughs) (laughs) They're very lucky because so many people engage with Lego. And, um, of course, you know, we're super lucky to have um, not just people who are, you know, fans, you know, which is a lot around the world, but also famous people who engage engage with the brand. But I couldn't possibly say exactly what their requests are, but I could just say that, you know, we're really lucky to have some Ed Sheeran who's written a song about Lego and, you know, uh, David Beckham is a huge fan. He built a Disney castle for his daughter, so... You know, it's really great to have, um, you know, there, there are many football players, I mean, very, many very different famous people who really engage with the brand. For me, it comes back to what's really special about Lego, right? So all these stories, myself building for my son, Bugatti, little boy who creates his own world, or celebrities who engage with the brand. Um, it's about the fact that Lego has um, such enormous opportunities for people to build whatever they want and it really inspires and builds their imagination and that comes down back to the fact that um the the system in play as we call it the lego bricks you know it creates the world of possibilities for anybody and it's an amazing experience for children which is why we're so focused on the mission to inspire and develop um kids we call them the builders of tomorrow because we know that when they engage and and they they build um whether they're building from their imagination or they're rebuilding something that they really love like my son's you know new york skyline we know that they also learn mm-hmm. and that's really important that kind of you know uh, learning through play it teaches them how to figure out how to problem solve how to collaborate with others um, you know, it inspires uh, their imagination and it gives them some very important skills for the future. So that's really at the core of what we do and, and, and that's why it's so great to see so many different people engage with us. And I'm really, you know, we're lucky to, to have so many famous people who are also shaping the world today who were inspired when they were young uh, by the Lego brick and, and there are plenty of those as well. And for a lot of people, you have a dream job. Um, you know, you get to with Lego be around Lego <laughs> so what is the Lego office like it's it's like the brand it's a lot of fun it has an element of learning it has an element of care for the people but we try to create um, an environment that really inspires creativity and also creates an environment where, that promotes collaboration and allows people to collaborate and uh, you know uh, work together you know, when I walk into my office in Billund, where I have a lot of designers, it's really amazing just to walk around because you see incredible builds. But what I really love seeing is in every office, people are super passionate about 
our purpose, you know, that we also create spaces when they can get together where, you know, they can engage either with what's going on with the Lego brand or engage in some external inspiration as well. So we want the environment to be very reflective of the purposefulness and also the values of our brand, fun, learning, collaboration, respect, care. That's all very important. And then now we're building actually a, a new building, a new campus in Billund, where our headquarters are, and we want that to be very much a sustainable building. So it's going to have the biggest solar panel roof uh, in Denmark, um, which is going to be really, really great. Um, so, uh, you know, the, we, we have great offices around the world, and I'm always really happy to, to be there because you kind of feel at home. Not built out of Lego, though. Not yet. <laughs> so, well, many things are built out of Lego, but not the building. <laughs> so going back a little bit, where did your interest in marketing begin? Was it a particular brand or advert that kicked it off? Um, no, not at all. Um, when I was growing up, I was going to be a pianist, and I was I was always very involved and engaged with culture, humanities, um, art, literature, um, people. Um, and then um, I, I actually uh, immigrated from Soviet Union and came to the United States and started to think about how do I connect this this passion that I have for this sort of right brain, let's say, side, um, with also something that is commercially oriented because I also always loved math and I always loved science. And for me, marketing was the profession that actually sat at the heart of arts and science, kind of at the crossroads because it combines both. So that's really where my initial interest came from. Then when I started to get into it, I realized that it's actually very much like that. And it also sits at the crossroads of humanity and business. Because when we create something that creates value for people that they really engage with and they really love and they really want and it brings value and quality to their life, that also creates value for the business. So that's really where my passion started. And since then, I've always been super inspired exactly for that fact that I, I get to create really amazing things, inspire uh, uh, amazing you know, people, um, build opportunities for the future, really kind of open up you know, opportunities for something that maybe is not imaginable yet, figure out how to drive change, but then also convert it to a very strong um, business results, which again creates the opportunity to reinvest and, and give back even more. So that's really where, where it all started. And I've been very lucky to work with some really amazing brands, but, you know, also really lucky now to work at Lego because that gives me an opportunity to um, influence change in a way that is super purposeful. So. Do you still play the piano? Absolutely. It's very much part of my life. Yeah. Um, my sons play as well. But for me, it's a little bit like Lego. <laughs> if, if I have time for myself, I will, uh, I will either build something or I will play the piano. What sort of stuff do you like to play? Uh, well, I play a lot of classical music. That's where, I, I kind of, that's where my background is. So Beethoven, Bach, depends on the mood, Chopin, sometimes I improvise. Um, but lately, um, because my, my younger son is in love with Bohemian Rhapsody, we've been playing a lot of that. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, going back to uh, your college years, what were they like? You went to study in America, so, so how, how was that for you? 
I um, it it was de- it was definitely um, a very different experience from what I kind of grew up with when I was growing up in the Soviet Union. Also because it was a more independent experience in Russia, kids usually stayed with their parents and lived with them even through their studies. Whereas you know when I was eighteen, I moved away from home and and went to University of Illinois, which is a massive school and it's a massive university. So it was a it was very different for me, you know, to be independent at a younger age than most of you know uh, people that I knew when I was growing up, um, and it was um, I, I think it was very interesting because I studied communications and marketing, and at that time, my time of my studies, it was very new as a, as something that was taught, um, and and therefore you almost felt that the professors were also experimenting a bit with what they would teach. Um, I think that has evolved tremendously now. And then, obviously, your career began. So can you talk me through your career from when you finished university to where you are now? After I, I finished uh, college in, in three years, and I moved to, back to Chicago and worked for a couple of years in a small company just to try to see what is it like to do PR, what is it like to do marketing. And it was a, uh, it was a very small uh, medical company. And that kind of gave me that inspiration to go back to business school and really properly study marketing, finance, uh, uh, and international business because I really wanted to do something that is international at a bigger global scale. Um, so after business school, then I started sort of my career. And what it's been like, I think one of the things that would define it, um, because I don't, you know, it's, it's, been, a long, it's been a long career, um, but I would say one of the things that defined me always is the, is the thirst for new experiences and the thirst for um, you know, try, uh, seeing the world and experiencing the world. Um, and that came probably from the fact that I grew up behind the Iron Curtain where I wasn't necessarily, you know, I, I didn't think that I would ever be able to actually leave Soviet Union and travel internationally. And I was reading uh, all these amazing books about all these different places around the world, and I really wanted to experience those cultures. So with international moves, there's always a lot of uncertainty because you, especially in marketing, because you have to really understand your consumer, you really have to understand what's happening in the culture, in the world where you're living. And I moved to London, um, you know, I, I started with Coke in Atlanta, doing a global role, and that gave me an opportunity to experience the world. But then I moved to London, and suddenly was focused on uh, United Kingdom, which was very interesting, because the first question was, what's the psyche of British people? So we did a lot of studies to find out that there's no such thing, <laughs> because you know it's really not British, it's Scottish and Welsh and English yeah. <laughs> and Irish, and and that was very interesting. But that gave me that kind of grounding to understand the culture that you're in, and to understand how to be relevant in that culture and how you know for your brand to thrive and be relevant in that culture. And then I worked all over Europe. I moved to Japan with Coke. I think that was a a really big move for me. So, you know, partly it's that thirst for, for new experiences, partly it's also bravery and perseverance because, you you know, things don't always work. And when you come into a new culture working with people and, uh, you know, who are not used to your type of style, you know, or in Japan where actually they're not so used to expats or so used to women at senior levels, 
you have to really find a way to make your mark. Um, and that has been a, a kind of a defining theme in my career that I don't give up. I just stay with it and I try to find a way. Um, you know, sometimes it's not the first way that works, but the second and the third, and you learn through your mistakes. But that has been uh, very much a theme. So I've always sort of, uh, I was never shy to kind of go after something that's new and different, even if it felt a little scary. And what would you say your biggest career success has been or highlight? So I don't look at the past and say that was the biggest. For me, the biggest is always in the future. It hasn't happened yet. Because I know for sure that I will continue to push forward. And I think that right now in my role with the, with the team that we have, we will achieve even further success. Already when I look into what we're working on for 22, 23, I think that there will be great things that will come. So I, I kind of would not say what was the biggest, but I would say that it's always most satisfactory for me to see a highly engaged and inspired organization. Because when people are inspired and engaged and they feel at their best, their potential really comes out. They're at the height of their creativity and they you know, they really are committed and passionate to deliver great things. And people feel great when they deliver great things. So everybody wins. So for me, the, 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 the highlights have always been when you get to the point where the organization follows you, they believe in you, and then you know that you're creating a lot of inspiration and engagement and an opportunity for people to really be at their best. Can you give us a teaser of what's to come? Well, I think that in the next six months, there will be a lot of exciting things um, that will really, um, you know, hopefully inspire all of our fans. Um, we're very excited about um, Lego Hidden Side. It's a new experience that we're launching that's going to have, um, it, for the first time, a combination of physical experience combined with uh, augmented reality experience. So it's a ghost theme, and the kids kids will be able to build their sets of a, of a town that's inhabited by ghosts, and then with augmented reality, they'll be able to see the ghosts flying around in the city that they build, and they'll be able to work you know, between physical and digital. I, I think that's going to be super interesting to see. So we're very excited about that. Um, there's going to be um, also really interesting and exciting uh, themes in our core themes like uh, with Lego City we've been working with NASA and we're going to do a big space theme that's coming out um, about the moon landing and I think that's really going to inspire uh, inspire kids who are into space and with friends we have a big theme around sea life res rescue um, which we know, again, kids are super into, and I'm really excited about having these two themes because they're also very purposeful, and they really represent, you know, what um, you know we think the builders of tomorrow will, will really want to focus on in the future, which is protecting the environment and also venturing into new in, into space. Um, so there's a lot of really great stuff that's happening, even in the next six months. But I think then looking into the future, we will continue to build on the innovation um, that we've got, um, you know, continue to focus on new audiences. I'm really excited about the growth that we're seeing in China. We've just opened an office in Dubai because we want to focus more on Middle East and Africa. So, you know, how do we inspire kids in these places that I'm, you know, really looking forward to. And then we continue to expand our presence from a perspective of our digital platforms, our engagement, um, our content, and, and those are all very exciting things.
Yeah, it does sound very exciting. Lots of cool stuff going on. What have been the pivotal moments during your career? I think every time that I've met a really big challenge, and usually it's it's really it really comes when you join a new uh, organization. Um, that that becomes kind of the, the probably the most you know those are the pivotal moments because you have to take time to understand the culture. You have to take time to understand. Uh, and shape the vision for the future and then it takes a lot of time to really engage the organization and you know get connected with them find a way to motivate them find the right way to address um, you know some of the challenges that people are facing so those are the most pivotal moments are those moments when you start feeling like okay you've broken through Um, and that those have been um, you know the most probably the most pivotal moments but of course, big moves are the ones that make the biggest difference. So moving to Japan, uh, moving to New York to, to be chief marketing officer of Revlon for the first time, kind of leading a global innovation and marketing organization. And then this big move, move to Lego, that was uh, definitely a big step, yeah. a big step for me because it's such a purposeful and um, strong culture. And in that culture, to shape a vision for the future and work with the organization of the size, that that was kind of a new step for me. Really great. Um, Who is your biggest marketing influence? The biggest marketing influence is the consumer. Because they are the ones that shape the future um, of marketing. Not because they tell us what to do, but because by understanding them and understanding the world that they live in, we can start thinking about how do we inspire them in the future? How do we surprise and delight them? How do we do things that are unexpected? So I see us shaping the world for them, but definitely they are the biggest influence. Um, so, so I would say that that has been a predominant theme for me to ensure that, you know, rather than just looking at what everybody else is doing, uh, which is also important because you learn a lot from that. We also, we always have the focus on who is the king and the king is the kid. <laughs> you know, it's the kids and their parents and their lives. That's what's really important. So that has been the biggest, um, that's the biggest influence for me. Um, and uh, how to do it. So that's the what. The house, um, I, I, I tend to learn a lot from experience, you know, just researching myself, seeing what others are doing, kind of deep diving into some of the areas that I think are really interesting or unknown. So like being a self-learner is very important, but also people that I work with in the organization, I really feel diversity is super important, especially in today's world, because the world in the one, on the one hand is very small, much more interconnected. And on the, on the other hand, there are a lot of really interesting innovations that are happening all over the world. So for me, for example, like with the way we work at Lego, we can connect our marketing value chains so that our markets can also have a very strong voice at the global table when we do our development. That's super important because the voice from China can teach us so much. So I learned a lot from working with different countries and working with different colleagues and also bringing a more diverse environment into um, even the global organization. And like in terms of our designers and in terms of our marketing organization, we represent uh, many nationalities and also people that are coming from different experiences, some digital natives, some coming from digital tech innovation companies, others coming from very brand oriented companies, um, you know, real different cultural mix, some architects. Um, so 
that so 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 a lot of learning that also comes from within from from working with different types of people and listening to their voices and their uh, and benefiting from their experience do you have a favorite marketing campaign of all time we can have one that you've worked on personally and um just a, an overall campaign I think it would be really hard to say that there's one campaign of all time that 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 I you know that I would pick out. I mean, there's been so many iconic campaigns in every um, in every category that I can think of. Um, I would say that the one maybe more to talk about the recent campaigns that have re- resonated with me. The one, the one campaign that really resonated with me last year when I was here was the Palau Pledge, because that was a campaign that was really, it was a very interesting way of engaging tourists in making sure that Palau Island, which is an amazing diving site, stays clean. And that personally resonated with me a lot, because it was very, it's very topical of the moment. I myself am a diver, I am a scuba diver, so I see what happens when there are reefs that are dying when I go diving, I see plastic, uh, you know, bags, you know, uh, uh, bottles, uh, you know, you see nets, uh, fishing nets that are left in the, on the bottom of the ocean floor. And those kinds of things, you know, you, you see how that affects wildlife. So a campaign that actually starts engaging people in a very positive and easy way, easy, easily understandable, decodable way, in protecting the environment. That was very powerful for me. So I think for me, the best campaigns have been the ones that have been really off the time, that have hit that, you know, that, that they've hit on a, on a nerve, they've hit on something that was really relevant and important for people. And for you, what does the future of marketing look like? The future of marketing, that's a really big question. I think that, um, and this is one of the themes that's really important here uh, in Cannes this year, I think that the future of marketing has to come back to what marketing uh, marketing um, originally, um, the, 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 the role of marketing as it was originally defined, because it really is about value creation and it's about Uber integration. And I think now, in some ways, you know, we have a really big job to play, marketers have a really big job to play, because they have to combine, they have so much at their disposal, they have uh, so much more data, so much more insight. They need to be the ones that are turning data and insight into really imaginative new strategies and experiences that create value for the business. And so they have this kind of really important integration role to go from insight to um, cre- creativity to creation to innovation and then explaining and translating it into very strong commercial results and that that loop I think now is the future of marketing and it absolutely has to be because otherwise we will always be siloed you know having digital analytics sitting in one area having um, you know creative sitting in another area they're not two different things, they are combined, one feeds the other. So for me, the future of marketing is one, Uber integration, the other one, uh, continuous learning. I think that we need to expect that the world will change more and more rapidly, and marketers need to be the primary learners in any company. They, we need to absorb what those new things are and not wait for someone else to kind of sit and, 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 and just be the expert. You know, We need to understand, at least in layman's term, 
technology, analytics, AI will be the next thing. So I think it's really important that marketers stay on top of change, they stay on top of understanding it, and then figure out how to actually incorporate change into what they do. So I think um, Uber integration is going to be very important. I think fast learning is going to be super important. I think, um, and, and with that, of course, innovation, leading change in the organization. I think that's going to be also very, very important. And then the last point I would say is coming back to purpose. I think the future of marketing is going to be about creating really meaningful purpose for the brand, not just something that lives in an advertising campaign, something that translates into real life and real results. For example, for us in Lego, purpose is not just about saying we want to develop and inspire the builders of tomorrow. It translates into the fact that all of our products are geared uh, to create more opportunities for different types of kids to engage. Um, you know, to engage in Lego and to have a great building experience. We're leveraging digital, for example, build, creating digital building instructions to personalize the way kids build and be able to create great experiences for every child. We've just uh, um, created Braille bricks for blind kids to help them learn as they play. Um, and that's also an opportunity to reach kids who probably don't have to have touched Lego before. Um, we, we, we're launching, we're about to launch a very exciting innovation. I should have also mentioned that um, in, with Lego Education, which is a new Lego learning system, which will be an opportunity for kids to um, learn uh, STEAM, so science, technology, engineering, math, and arts, but through really interactive building and play experiences that they are going to go straight into their classrooms. And that's going to build confidence for every child. Our foundation uh, engages in delivering and, and creating experiences for kids who are underprivileged and don't have access to bricks. So I think it's really important that uh, marketers actually embrace the purpose of their brands and of their companies and translate it into really valuable direct experiences. So, so those would be the things, integration, learning, um, you know, leading change, leadership in an organization, and then purpose. I think that leads perfectly on to my last question, which is what legacy would you like to leave? That's a very big question. I would be very happy if, um, you know, people uh, during my time uh, at Lego, uh, we saw thriving growth and uh, growing a thriving organization. I would be super uh, excited if that organization, um, you know, was more diverse uh, more energized, um, more open to um, create an environment that really fosters creativity and innovation. Um, and I would love to see Lego bricks in the hands of my great, 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 great grandchildren. <laughs> and if I have a little bit of a role to play in that long-term journey, which I really believe in, then that would be great. Julia, thank you. We've, we've learned that you're not only an accomplished marketer, but also an accomplished pianist and diver, which is amazing. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us for Marketing Week Meets. Thank you. Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce, helping you to connect to your customers in a whole new way. Now here's an added extra to this month's special podcast. My Marketing Week colleague, Michael Barnett, went down to the Salesforce World Tour Conference in London last month, where he met Matt Baker, head of CRM at the B2B minicab and courier firm, Addison Lee. They chatted about how the brand has been making big changes as it looks to put itself in the front seat when it comes to personalization and customer experience. 
Here are a few of the highlights from their conversation. I'm Michael Barnett. I'm here at uh, Salesforce World Tour for Marketing Week, and I'm sitting with Matt Baker, who's the head of CRM at Addison Lee. Um, we're going to talk a bit about customer experience mostly today. Um, I'm just interested, Matt, um, if you could tell us what customer experience and, and personalization as well mean uh, for the Addison Lee business. It's pretty central to Addison Lee's business, to be honest. Um, we, with the the uh, the large ground transportation provider in B2B uh, are operating in 350 cities. So um, as a business, to be able to engage and maintain that connection with its, its customers as they travel around the world, CX uh, and personalization is, is key. You can't force people to book a holiday. You can't force them to travel if they're not allowed to travel. Um, so actually we get a very limited opportunity to really engage and build an emotional connection with our customers. Um, and how has the importance of, of customer experience grown as the market has become more competitive? I mean, we all know that uh, you're in a market that includes players like Uber who are um, getting very big and uh, always very competitive on price and on the instantaneous nature with which you can you can book. Um, how do you compete with that in terms of your customer experience? Yeah, so we're in a slightly different market too, because we're in a B2B business. We're responsible for moving essentially our clients' most valued um, resource around, which is its employees. So they have a duty of care to be able to move these these people around the globe as, the, as they see fit. Um, so, so realistically, Uber is in a different model there. In as you say, that immediacy, that B2C base uh, of essentially, if you need something to go to from A to B, then 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 it's there. Um, obviously, for us, it, it it's different in the fact that our business travellers want a certain level of guarantee. So, customer experience is is really our USP, and it's something that we we can operate quite easily because we can very easily forecast the volume of our of our customer base because we know that there are customers there when we sign a contract we know roughly how many people are traveling so we can scale our, our customer service team and our experience team around that um, so my vision for the future of, of Addison Lee is very much to enable uh, our, our passengers to communicate in a way they want when they want yeah um, in terms of the actual the booking experience which I suppose is the bit which is the most consumer like in, uh, in in terms of the, the business model um, have the the changes in the way that people interact with brands um, of all kinds um, but, but particularly the, the newer disruptor brands um, change the way that uh, the expectations around business to business um, interactions as well would you say? Ab- absolutely so we have three core types of customer the first is actually the booker so in a large business there are EAs PAs booking um, teams that are there responsible for moving their execs around around the world they're never in the car so they they need a different experience those experiences can be highly complicated so if you think about uh, an executive assistant responsible for moving 10 people to a sales conference in Hong Kong she's not going to sit there on an app booking individual bookings um, she's not going to sit there and change those bookings when one of the sales directors said he's not going to be at home he wants to be picked up from the office um, so she needs an experience which is, is part of our service, which is write it down on an email, send it through to us, we will deal with the rest. But when the booking's made, she needs an interface where she can see these bookings coming in and then she can make individual changes, whether that be in a web portal or a mobile app. So we, we provide that service. You've obviously got the passenger, 
uh, and that's the traditional model that we have more and more and we do see technology changing that the fact that really um, most employees do have a choice yes the, their company may say you should use Addison as a preferred supplier but unless they're going to mandate only signing off taxi ticket bills from Addison Lee, people can use their thumb and they can move to Uber or they can move to anywhere else they want. And we have a 24-7 contact centre and we're building our CX around that contact centre. So if you're in Seoul and you have an issue, you talk to the same contact centre you would if you were in London. So there's that continuity of service wherever you are in the world, which is key. And then the third customer is actually our driver. So our drivers want to drive. Simple as that. When they make a decision to come to Addison Lee, they want to drive as quickly as possible, as easy as possible. So all of that technology that we've talked about that enables a passenger to get from A to B, we need to use for our drivers as well. So Yeah. I know your uh, job title has CRM in it, customer relationship management, which obviously um, means a lot of different things in a lot of different businesses. And, and to some businesses, it's just as simple as it's your email database. But it sounds from the way that you're talking that you do an awful lot more than that and that uh, CRM is absolutely involved integrally in the customer experience. So I just wonder if you can talk a little bit about how the function that you perform uh, fits into that wider picture for the brand. Absolutely. So Addison Lee's re reorientated itself around the customer, which it sounds very, very management speak. Um, but what that has meant is because we've chosen a, a CX platform, um, it's very natural for all of our business teams now to talk together. So now when we come to solve a problem, they're all using the same platform. So it's easier for them to communicate and talk about things. They can see the other side of the fence. Um, so my role really is, is twofold. I'm in technology. I work for the CIO. Uh, and my brief from the CIO is we've got all of this stuff. Make it work. Uh, I also work for the CEO, Andy Boland. His job is to say, I've got two priorities of this business, international growth and customer experience to retain. So make that work. So we all know where you ended up in terms of your CX capability and the, the technology, um, but tell us a little bit about uh, how you got there in terms of the, the conversations that had to happen in the business. There's often um, arguments that happen at board level and then there are things that have to filter down through the organization to make sure everything happens as you need it to. So just uh, tell us a little bit about how smooth that was or any challenges you had to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think particularly at events like this, it, it can be very easy to, to portray the fact that it was all very easy and we bought some technology and everybody went into the room, got excited and hey presto, success came. And that, that certainly isn't the case. Uh, I think we had a lot of the challenges around making sure that IT and businesses were aligned, that they understood each other. Uh, the, the key to that really was, was really making sure that technology could step out of its bubble and start to understand what the business was trying to achieve. We were very lucky that Addison Lee had two core drivers, growth globally, improved CX to retain business. So you could measure everything you were doing against that. Um, so that, that, that was a, an easier piece, but the, the challenge is business is focused on today and they look at what they have today and say, hey, we want a faster horse. Um, technology is always looking in the future and saying, oh, there's some great new toys we can play with. Here's the cars. We, we need them to come together. Matt Baker from Addison Lee, thank you very much. No problem, thank you. You've been listening to Marketing Week Meet, sponsored by Salesforce and produced by Bauer Creative London with me, Ellen Hammett, and producer Tim O'Donoghue. 
you can subscribe via iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can listen to previous episodes with the likes of Byron Sharp, Sil Saller, Jan Gooding, and Nicola Mendelssohn. Until next time, goodbye. Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one customer journeys, helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs. <laughs>